Uber and Lyft both enter the healthcare space. We can't really say this is surprising because, I mean, healthcare is a, you know, quadrillion dollar business. So everyone right now is trying to get in uh, into the space. But um, it's pretty interesting to see what they're doing. Um, Uber announced it first. They talked about they were releasing a platform or a dashboard, I should say, for healthcare providers to use so they can organize rides for um, for their patients. And they're basically trying to solve the problem of missed appointments uh, due to lack of transportation. And the way it works is the practice will be able to organize and they'll actually have to also pay for the rides for their patients to get um, to the to the visits or to the hospital. And uh, Lyft recently just announced they're entering into the space as well. They're doing a little different. They're partnering with Allscripts, which is a electronic healthcare records company. And they're going to basically be uh, integrating their platform into um, into Allscripts platform. So um, basically to do the same thing to organize rides for patients. So it's going to get really interesting to see how this affects, you know, practices to see if it actually works. I know they have some Uber has been, they've both actually been piloting uh, programs. So I'm sure they have found that it does work, um, but I'm just going to really be excited to see how it's going to be at scale. And um, I think that it might even open a door for some jobs. I mean, I think that the amount of coordination that might be required to take place at certain practices um, might be a hefty one. And I think, you know, new people are going to have to get good at organizing these rides and coordinating all these things. So um, there might be some new jobs that open up for healthcare providers, you know, especially because physicians offices are so bogged down right now with work as it is. How are they going to incorporate this into their, you know, busy schedule and busy workflow? So it's going to be exciting to see how this all plays out. So how do you think it's going to go? Preparing for an interview is super hard, but I recently detailed out in an article exactly how I usually prepare for interviews. I, when I was graduating school, I took it very seriously. The fact that if I got an interview, I wanted to make sure that I was able to give it my best shot um, while in a room with that interviewer. So I got it all down to a science. Realizing that there is an infinite amount of possible interview questions that could be asked, especially those behavioral ones, I realized that even though with all the different ways someone can ask a question, a lot of times it always comes down to core principles that people are looking for when they ask a certain question. And I've realized that there's actually not that many um, of those core principles. So um, in the article, I basically wrote it down into sets, uh, internal leadership, which is set one, set two is external leadership, and set three is uh, future slash vision leadership. So if I could come up with multiple stories and uh, multiple demonstrations of my leadership qualities using these three sets, I found that usually most behavioral questions will actually fall into one of these sets. So it then became like a math equation, almost like a puzzle, where when I got asked a question, I would try to figure out what is it that that question is looking for and match that to one of those sets into one of those stories, and then I'd automatically have an answer. And this really solves the problem of being able to really just answer every single type of behavioral question, um, you know, given a standard interview. So if you want to find uh, that article, you can just go to uh, medium.com forward slash RX radio. Again, that's www.medium.com forward slash RX radio. And you'll be able to find uh, the details on those sets and how to exact exactly how to use them. And also a couple other tidbits on all the other types of interview questions in there as well, especially those off the wall questions. So uh, check out the link. Tell me what you think. Hope you like it. Consolidation season continues. We're pretty used to this by now, right? Well, now it's actually Cigna's turn. Cigna recently announced to buy Express Scripts for $67 billion. 
Obviously, each company is boasting about how this merger is going to be beneficial to everyone, including consumers. But will it really? It's truly hard to really know. But, you know, whenever you reduce competition in a marketplace, prices usually don't decrease. Think about it. When you don't have to compete with anyone in your large corporation that has to answer to shareholders, what incentive would you actually have to decrease drug prices? However, one big advantage that these large mergers usually do have is the increased access to patient data, which can really be helpful in analyzing outcomes and figuring out what works and what doesn't. What do you think? Will it increase drug prices, decrease drug prices, be better for patient care, be worse? Let us know what you think. It was recently announced that Amazon will be offering discounted Prime memberships to people who have Medicaid. People on Medicaid often have transportation issues or can be a costly expense to get around. So being able to take advantage of Prime membership perks could actually be pretty helpful to this patient population. So what's the actual discount? Well, Prime memberships usually cost around $12.99 per month. But for Medicaid members, it'll actually be $5.99, which is a discount of around 50%. Now, this is only about a 25% discount for the people that pay the $99 per year membership. But one thing to note is that current offer for $5.99 for people on Medicaid is only renewable for up to four years. What do you think about this discount? Shoot us a comment on Instagram at rxradio.fm or hit us up on facebook.com forward slash rxradio and let us know what you think. You, you touched on something that I think that we're going to hopefully dive into in terms of misconceptions and and being mm-hmm. exposed to you know radioactive materials. But first, yeah. let's kind of go to the basics. Like, what is a nuclear pharmacist, and what do you guys actually do? Okay, so a nuclear pharmacist um, actually has several roles. So where I personally work, um, we're considered a pharmacy as far as like our license and registration. But what we actually do is we dispense uh, unit doses of radioactive material that's used for imaging purposes. Um, so to break that down, our, our lab actually receives generators uh, from vendors that produces uh, radioactive material. And we use that to tag uh, drugs with, and those drugs are injected into patients. The drug actually is not for um, like therapy purposes; it's for diagnostic. So its sole purpose is to take the radiation and bring it to a specific part of the body, depending on what they're imaging for. So there's drugs that go to the heart, there's drugs that go to the bone, the brain, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the pharmacist actually does that part where they combine the radiation and the drug together. And it's called, it's basically called compounding. And what the technicians do is they drop the unit doses and, you know, it gets packed up and delivered out. And we actually have drivers that do that too. So that's just a general gist of what we do. We also do something else called white cell uh, tagging, white blood cell tagging. So basically we will receive a sample of blood from a hospital of a patient that has an unknown source of infection. And we'll separate the white cells, tag it with radiation and send it back to the hospital and they'll inject that into the patient and the white cells will travel back to the site of infection. So when you're imaged, they'll see where it is. And based on that, they'll be able to kind of figure out what to do from that point on. Wow. That is amazing (laughs) stuff right there. That's probably what I find the most interesting about what I do. Can you tell us a little bit about what that event's going to be like here on campus and and, uh, what people can expect to get out of that? Sure. Uh, The 2018 Future Summit is what you would see as a normal career showcase on um, what people say on steroids. It's yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a an opportunity for students to really see the extent to where 
pharmacies can work, but also network and, and what jobs can be created. We're bringing in over 50 companies. So far, we have 60 signed up. We have over 300 students. The idea, again, is marketing, business. How can I- I- individuals connect, network, resource? How can businesses connect, network, and resource? I want to make this, uh, it's, well, this event is going to be beneficial to all parties involved. Uh, so far, we have about 13 different sponsors. Uh, it's just an amazing opportunity. We're going to have it at the Don Taft Rick Case Arena. So it's the biggest space the university has to offer, and uh, looking forward to it. Here's a brief clip from a recent podcast episode uh, where I give some advice on dealing with conflict in the workplace. So Um, it's funny that we're actually getting into this conversation because uh, not too long ago, there was a um, someone who actually reached out to me on Instagram asking for advice in a very similar situation. And, you know, I thought I'd just share that um, here with, I guess, what my advice was uh, to that particular individual. And yeah, it's, was it? you know, similar situation where I don't usually give advice to people that I don't have like full context on because, you know, that one, there's always two sides of the story and, you know, there's all kinds of things that can, um, you know, make influence a decision on how to handle certain things. But the gist of what I pretty much told her was, you know, same thing, what you just said, confront the individual that you're having an, an issue with. And if you've done that doesn't work that you would probably go to the next superior or either like HR, whatever, you know, however your department is organized. And if that, you know, hasn't resolved it, maybe trying to again go back and one-on-one set certain tangible expectations as to what they expect from you. Because a lot of times there's a disconnect between communication and expectations. So if mm-hmm. those are not met um, or, or set and established, that can cause a lot of, you know, tension or a lot of disconnect and, and eventually lead to problems. And I think if all those things truly fail... It, you know, you can do kind of what you did and kind of ride it out and see who leaves. But sometimes you have to really take the, you know, the 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 actionable, you know, way and actually leave, you know, and, and look for a, <laughs> actively look for other jobs. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. It's just real because at some point, if you've done all you can, you've can you can do, you know, at some point you need to start taking control of what's going on and and, you know, understanding that you have the option to leave. You know, usually, I, usually yeah. that's usually that's there. I mean, obviously, there's other situations and. I know, you know, the landscape of of uh, jobs is getting rough, but, you know, at least try to explore that option, I would say, if uh, if you've tried everything else. CVS lifts the blue wall. OK, now I know that doesn't make any sense at all, but it was the only creative way that I could have uh, thought to combine the word CVS, lift, Blue Cross Blue Shield and Walgreens all into one. So that's that's kind of what I came up with. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about the new partnership that was just announced between, you guessed it, CVS, Lyft, Blue Cross Blue Shield Institute, and Walgreens have just announced a partnership that they're going to be helping patients get rides to their pharmacies to pick up prescriptions. Now, this is also in addition to the recent announcements from Uber and Lyft announcing that they're going to be working with prescribers to get patients to their Uh, doctor office visits. But now the focus um, in the recent announcements is on getting patients to the pharmacies to pick up their medications. So they're going to be testing out at uh, locations, uh, I think a Walgreens locations in Chicago and CVS locations in Pittsburgh. They're going to start offering their patients rides to pharmacies to pick up their medications in hopes that it's going to increase adherence and improve healthcare outcomes. The pharmacies are going to be the ones to pay for the rides to the pharmacy to pick up the medications. However, in the new announcement, uh, the Blue Cross Blue Shield will be paying for the rides 
to the doctor's offices. So the pharmacies are going to pick up the bills here for the prescription uh, pickups or uh, rides to pick up. And then uh, again, the Blue Cross Blue Shield Institute is going to pay for the physician's office uh, rides. I do know that this is all a preview of what's possibly to come. But what's really interesting to me is that they're taking on the the importance of bringing people to the pharmacy to the medications, whereas I really think there's going to be a future of figuring out the logistics um, and the infrastructure to getting the medications to those patients instead of uh, the other way around. Governor Rick Scott just signed into law a pretty interesting set of legislation that hopes to combat the current opioid crisis here in the state of Florida. Now, it doesn't go into effect until July 1st. However, you know, we do have some time, but there's going to be some major changes coming. So I just wanted to briefly highlight what I think you need to know about what's going to be coming in these uh, changes later on this year. So uh, reading through some of the laws that have been enacted, one thing that really stuck out was the amount of the large amount of documentation that's going to be now required uh, by prescribers um, in terms of prescribing both acute and chronic prescriptions for controlled substances. Some of the documentation is going to include things like treatment plans and how to observe and monitor quote unquote aberrant drug related behavior. Um, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the other documentations required uh, in talking about some of the new rules that's going to be changes. But uh, one interesting thing that I'm really excited about is that prescribers and their staff or their staff, I should say, are going to be uh, now required to check the uh, prescription drug monitoring program statewide. So before it used to be encouraged and it used to be there as a tool as a, or as a resource, but now it's actually going to be required for, um, I think, also both pharmacies and prescribers to be utilizing these uh, prescription drug monitoring programs. So uh, here's a couple highlights. First, I'll talk about acute prescriptions, and then we'll talk about the uh, more chronic pain prescriptions. Now, for the acute opioid prescriptions, they're now actually going to be limited to a three-day supply. Um, and however, this can be extended to a seven-day supply. But if a prescriber wants to prescribe more than three days of an opioid prescription up to a seven-day supply, they're going to actually have to document on that hard copy of that prescription acute pain exception. And then in the patient's medical records, they're going to have to document the acute medical condition, what the acute medical condition is, and document the lack of alternative treatment options available to justify that deviation of that three-day supply limit. One thing to note, though, is that these new limits will not apply to patients with pain related to cancer, terminal illness, palliative care, or serious traumatic injuries. In addition, it states in here, and I'm going to quote, that the treatment of pain-related uh, prescriptions for traumatic injuries with an injury severity of a score of nine or greater, a prescriber that prescribes a Schedule II medication-controlled substance is going to have to concurrently prescribe an emergency opioid antagonist. Now, let's talk a little bit about the chronic prescriptions. There's actually a section here that states that, and I'm quoting again, Controlled substances for the treatment of chronic non-malignant pain shall be prescribed by a single treating registrant unless otherwise authorized by the treating registrant and documented in the medical record. So this is basically saying that there can only be one prescriber that prescribes chronic pain medication for the treatment of chronic non-malignant pain. And if there was going to be another prescriber to prescribe it's actually going to have to be authorized by that other prescriber and then also documented in the medical record. So 
I can foresee now that this is going to cause a lot of pain and headaches um, in the current ways that prescriptions are written, but we'll kind of see how this plays out. So there's going to be a lot of changes and uh, requirements that are going to be that are going to be coming. So I'm going to uh, post an article on the blog on medium.com forward slash RX radio. You're going to be able to read a little bit more about the changes that are coming. You're also going to see a full link to the entire bill. So if you want to read it through for yourself, you can find that link there. And while you're on the blog, uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you think of the changes. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the thoughts from healthcare providers and non-healthcare providers across uh, across the nation. Hey guys, really hope you enjoyed that recap of the Alexa briefings. If you have an Alexa, make sure to add us in your Alexa flash briefing. You can literally just ask Alexa to add RX Radio to your flash briefing and it'll automatically download it. Or you can search on the Alexa Skill Store, just search RX Radio, or you can search Pharmacy and it'll pop up uh, on the first page. Also in the store, you can give us a rating. We'd really appreciate your feedback. We'd like to know what you think about it. Flash briefings are fairly new, so any feedback on how to make this better is going to be greatly appreciated. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.